Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday the 21st of May 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week Richard continued our series looking at God's power with the power of worship. The reading is John chapter 4 verses 19 to 26. So we'll go and join Richard as he's introducing the service. We'll start with the first one. Uh, Becca's got something to ask us. There you go, I should have warned you, shouldn't I? Come here, come here, yeah. Uh, morning, everyone. Um, so, um, on the 30th of June, on the uh, Friday, the 30th of June, um, I am hoping to sort out and organise a, a women's evening. So, sorry, men, this is just for the ladies. Um, from uh, seven, we're going to have um, an evening of just like fellowship and um, a bit of worship and have a just a chat and a get together and just um, enjoy some time <coughs> together um, as fellowship. Um, and yeah, um, what I would like, if possible, is anyone who would be willing to come and help, um, maybe serve some tea and coffee or, um, some drinks or anything, or if anyone feels they want to get involved in any way, um, please do come and see me, but hopefully it'll be a really great evening, um, for young and old to get together. Um, I know I can definitely, uh, learn a lot from people who have gone through more of life than I have. Um, so yeah, it'd just be great just to, just to learn from the wise and, uh, it's very politically correct there, wasn't it? I was, was good to save myself there. Um, yeah. So if anyone would be, uh, or just like to come at all, um, it would be really great. Um, and hopefully we can do more throughout the years also, or might go horribly wrong and we'll never do it again, but it's good to explore and see at the hub. Yeah. So that'd be great. So please let me know if you can help at all would be fantastic. Anyone at all. Invite anyone. It'd be great. Yeah. Cool. Thank you. And Alex next, I think. Are you? Or are you? Are you? No? Am I being given? Oh, right. There you go. Right. <laughs> Steady on. <laughs> Church members that were here in the week will know that we decided to go ahead and get the church painting done. Unfortunately, the company that was going to do the church painting have had so many more jobs coming in the meantime that they cannot do it this summer. So there's two possibilities. One, if we had more money, and we're talking about another two to three thousand, there's another company that will do it, a local company. And if we don't get more money, we'll leave it to next year. And my guess is it'll cost another four or five thousand because it's going to get worse and prices go up anyway. If you can give us a tenner or a hundred or a thousand, or if you can promise over the next few weeks to add to our building fund because it is quite, it does look a mess out there, let's be honest, it does look a mess. Some of the woodwork's getting rotten, the plaster's falling off, and um, so we're just letting you know, we cannot go ahead with the decision that we took, but if we go and go ahead with somebody else, we're going to have to have a bit more money. Please pray about it. If you can promise a little bit, you can give a little bit, please, please do so. Thank you. 
I've also been told, well, a little birdie told me we had a, at least one birthday in the week. John Dickinson, I, don't, I won't say how old, but it ended in a five, so you can work out what you like from that. Anyone else, though? Oh, yeah. We sang, we, yeah, we did it last week, Tanya, yeah. Alan. Alan, and remind me of your name. Leo. So that's uh, John, Alan, and Leo. Are we ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Alan, John, and Leo. Happy birthday to you. Seamless. Seamless. Uh, Paul's got some news to share with us. Friends, it's lovely to share with such joyous family news. And in another way, in another sense, the news I have to share with you is joyous. But uh, I know some of you may not know, but our brother Brian, Brian Jones, passed away and was meant to be with the Lord on Friday afternoon. And I say joyous because he is now in the arms of the Lord. And I say joyous because all that has ailed him lately, which has been much, is now healed. And I say joyous because all the restrictions... (laughs) And the stuff of life that weighed him down is gone. And that's the joyous. The sad, of course, is that we won't see Brian. This side of standing with him in eternity and worshipping the Lord. But it's right and proper that we thank God in this moment in prayer for him. And that we bring Hazel before him in prayer too. Because this is the time of pain and grief. No matter how much he knew this was coming, this day would arrive. Still, there is pain. And still there is grief. So can I invite you just to join me in prayer. (coughs) Father God, we thank you for Brian. We thank you for the memories we have of him which are ours to keep. And I pray, Lord, that they may be comfort to us over the coming days and weeks. And I thank you, Lord, that the certainty of faith is now his to behold. No more doubt and worry doesn't need faith, actually, or hope anymore because he is standing in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is love itself. Thank you for that reality for him. And we bring before you this morning Hazel, praying that in the pain and the grief she feels in this moment, in this weekend, that you'd be her source of comfort and hope and peace and love too. Father God, we thank you that our brother is in glory and that we can declare the fact that our brother will one day rise again because you have risen and you are alive. So thank you that our prayers and our hope and our faith is not based on any vain thinking of our own, but on the reality of Jesus Christ, in whom we and Brian trust. Thank you, Lord. For, our healing, for his healing. And thank you, Lord, that we will one day worship with him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I don't know any of the details yet. I'll probably find some of them out this coming week. Once I do know them, I'll obviously let you know about dates of celebration, etc. Richard. We come to worship. Let's pray. Father, we come this morning and thank you for this opportunity we have. 
to gather together freely and worship you. Father, we pray that this morning your spirit would speak to us, that we would know your presence, know you. Father, be amidst us, we pray. Amen. Today's theme is about the power of worship, power of praise. You know, it's amazing how many times in the Bible we see stories, we read about times when things have changed because people have worshipped. Think about the dedication of the temple, Solomon's temple. Power of worship was so great that God's presence came so the worshippers couldn't continue with their with their worshipping. Fog was so thick. And there's a story, wonderful story in, in 2 Chronicles where uh, the uh, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, was uh, threatened by the Moabites and the Ammonites and they came to sort of basically pick a scrap with him. What did he do? He sent out the choir first in front of the army. The worshippers won the battle. And I want to suggest maybe to you this morning that in your life, in my life, where we are facing battles, be it physical or emotional, spiritual, whatever it is, when we worship, God's power is made manifest and can change things. Amen? Sue's going to read the story, just a few verses. It's taken from 2 Chronicles, chapter 20, reading from verse 21. After consulting the people... Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Amen. Astounds. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. We're going to say a psalm together. Remain standing as we say this psalm antiphonally. Uh, Sue asked me what that meant the other day. It means that I do the odd-numbered verses and you do the even-numbered uh, verses. This is a, a psalm of praise. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord from the heavens, praise him in the heights above. Praise Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his heavenly hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He set them in place forever and ever. He gave a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all ancient ocean depths. Lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do his bidding. You mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars. Wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds. 
kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and maidens, old old men men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his splendor is above the earth and the heavens. He has raised up for his people a horn, the praise of all his saints of Israel, the people close to his heart. Praise the Lord. Just notice that. He's raised up for his people a horn. That is a symbol of strength. And what is a symbol of strength? It's the praise of all his people. We're going to sing a fun song. And I need my rose. Have you got the video clip ready for us, my friend? I hope you have, because I'm reliant on you to get this right. Okay. (laughs) Right. prayers of intercession this morning, we're going to remember some of those around the world who worship our good God, regardless of the difficult situations they are in. Mm. Open Doors ask us to pray to our risen Lord to protect Christians in places such as North Korea, China and Afghanistan, where worshipping, even in a private place, is so difficult and so dangerous. Believers are under pressure from their family, their community, or the state to deny their faith in Jesus. But we pray for all persecuted believers to have strength to overcome, that they may hold on to the Bible promise in the first letter of John, chapter 4, verse 4, that the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We pray that the believer's witness will be fruitful and that more people in those nations will come to know the difference that Jesus will make to their life. And we pray that those of us who are free to worship will use that freedom courageously wherever we are and never take it for granted. The Christian Relief Organisation Tear Fund works through local church partners in many poor nations around the world. Malawi in Africa is one of the poorest, with over half of its population living in poverty. However, we rejoice that little by little change is happening there. In one small area, small-scale farmers have been helped by the church partners to find a natural fertiliser from locally sourced ingredients that is leading to higher yields in the fields. A self-help group in another area were helped by Tear Fund to develop a human-powered suction pump called a treadle that enables farmers to irrigate their land. 
the farmers are just so grateful that they can now grow vegetables throughout the year. Thank you, God. Yes, Lord, thank you. And another church network have received training from a tier fund partner about how to identify the most urgent issues in their community. So as a result, they've worked out that lack of water was the community's greatest need. It inspired them to pool their resources and then drill a borehole. And now 341 people have got fresh, clean water in the area. We thank you, Father God, for the life-changing success of these initiatives and pray that the good news of these new ideas and the good news of how much you care for your people may be heard throughout Malawi. Yes, Lord. And the Vocal family, our BMS-linked missionaries in Nepal, ask that we join them in praise that the leprosy ward at the Green Pastures Hospital in Pokhara is now in use and it is enabling nurses to care with dignity for patients who are often shunned for their condition. We praise you, Lord, that the family's work visas have now been renewed and it's given them new inspiration. And we thank you, God, that their three children are enjoying and doing well at the school they attend in Kathmandu. But the family do ask that we pray for their ongoing well-being, physically and spiritually, that they may continue to be lights to those they meet in the community and in the church and in the workplace. Yes, Lord. And that they will know God close to them in the uncertainty of where they may be after summer next year. Merciful Father, thank you for hearing these prayers that we make through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you, Ian. Brilliant. Thank you. As uh, Richard comes to speak the word to us, we're going to read from John chapter 4, verses 19 to 26. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared... Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you 
am he. Let's just pray for Richard as he comes and brings your word. Father, you do not speak a word unless, Lord, it's going to produce fruit. And we pray the very word that comes from Richard, Lord, you will anoint it, you will bless it, you will use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to start with what could be a contentious statement, but hopefully you won't think it is. One of the hottest topics we like to discuss in church life is how we worship. I think from Steve's laugh there, you might get a sense that often is what we like to discuss. We ask all sorts of questions, don't we? Is the music too loud? Is it too quiet? Are the songs we sing lacking in theological content? Or even if they have theological content, is that content right? Should we sing just the Psalms? Or just those songs written before 1900 or 1950 or 2000? Choose your date of preference. Should we raise our hands in worship? Probably not as much of a question as it once was. And I'm sure you can add your own to that list. Why, though, is it so often discussed? That was the question that was going through my head as I was thinking about worship. And there is one simple answer to that question, isn't there? Because worshipping God matters. It does. God desires us to worship him. And in verse 23, we read of the kind of worshippers that the Father seeks. Those he looks for. God goes and looks for his people to worship him. It is in many ways our chief calling as followers of Jesus. To worship God. But he's not just seeking any worshippers. Oh no, not just any. But will do. He's seeking true or right worshippers, depending on your translation. And those words are at the heart of what it means to worship. True worship. Right and proper worship. And we have, it has to be admitted, as a collective church, been arguing about what that means, basically, since these words were written in John. It's 2,000 years of arguments if you really want to look it up. But I think in so much of what we do, we miss something. It's not the form of worship that matters, but the content. It's not what songs we sing or what words we use, what liturgy, of any, we use, but the content, the nature of our worship. It's what in our, is in our hearts that matter. In all sorts of different ways, can and do, we find God. We, in this church, tend to one expression of worship. But others find God in the solemnity of more traditional styles, of the soaring choral music, of the words that have been spoken for hundreds of years. You get, maybe get a sense there that I'm doing my best to get myself kicked out of the Baptist Union. But I have to admit that what, that could have been me, I think, if I'd grown up in a tradition that was more sort of high church, you know, with bells and smells and incense everywhere. Probably, I think I'd probably have found God. 
But we can worship together, can't we? When I was in Israel a few, well, a month or so ago, we went to the garden tomb. One of the most touching moments as we went into the tomb, which, for various historical reasons, probably wasn't actually Jesus' tomb, but anyway. But we shared communion together as a group from college. And as we were sharing it, we were joined by, now we think they were Dutch, they could have been Danish for all we know. But they were quite happy to join in with us in communion. We didn't have to sort out our theologies of communion and our doctrines and all of that. But we could come together as the body of Christ and worship and remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. It does seem to me that to limit our style of worship to one form does seem to be rather limiting God, doesn't it? At the heart of true worship has to be our desire to worship God, to pour out our love for him. And yet clearly this isn't possible entirely on our own. To worship God properly in truth and well and rightly, we have to enter into his presence And we are, to put it quite bluntly, not capable of doing so on our own. We're not worthy to do so. Think of the Israelites, who, in order to enter the temple and the tabernacle, to enter God's presence, had to ritually cleanse themselves through sacrifice. Now, thankfully, we don't have to do that. I'm not sure many of us would be keen or... Or have the desire even to go around killing animals, do we? But but there is good news for us. We read that worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And what is that truth? There is surely only one answer, isn't there? Jesus, the light of the world. The words become flesh, as John so memorably puts it. A messenger of God, the son of God, the one who will ultimately sacrifice himself for you and me. Jesus came to bring the message that we heard about last week, the water of life. Give new life to those who ask for it. And in entering into that new life, we also have a way to enter into the presence of the almighty God, his father in heaven. Jesus cleanses us, washes away our sins, makes us pure as we were meant to be. And so through Jesus we are able to enter the presence of God and worship him. But first there's that slight step of having to accept Jesus into our lives, don't we? It's all well and good in being there. Saying, come and enter into God's presence. Are we not willing to take that first step to walk with Jesus? We're only able to approach God through Jesus. We pray it, don't we? We often finish our prayers through Jesus in Jesus' name. It's what allows us to make that step, to make right our relationship with God. As I was reading commentaries on this passage in preparation, one quote stood out to me. 
True faith is the worship offered through the Son and in living faith union with him by means of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you sort of dig into that a bit, what it really means is that true faith causes us to come to true worship. And that the Holy Spirit is there to help us come to know Jesus and God more. I'm always struck by that sense that no matter what we do, we're never going to find Jesus on our own. The only thing that could ever make us want to give up our life of sin and turn to Jesus is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, isn't it? Without the Spirit's work in our lives, we will never be able to know God. The Spirit transforms us, makes us new. And I encourage you, if you don't yet know the Spirit's work in your life, to welcome the Holy Spirit into your life. To pray to God for a pouring out of his Spirit upon you. I'm reminded here that God does come to seek us, doesn't he? He doesn't let, just let us wander around on our own. We see that here. We don't. We know that he does. And that is, quite frankly, a very good thing. Because if he didn't come and look for us, if he didn't make himself visible to us, we would never be able to find him. We read that God is spirit. Spirits are generally invisible and quite hard to see. We could be floundering around for a long time trying to find God if he wasn't willing to come and find us, to make himself visible to us. And he's willing to make himself visible to us that he even took on flesh, came to earth himself in his son Jesus to live among us. I find that amazing, don't you, that God... The creator of the world came to earth to be visible to us, for us to know him. And he came to worship with us. God wants us to worship him. But as we've already said, content over form. He longs for us to have a heart that longs to worship him and loves him. True worship could be described as a worship from the heart that truly exalts God. That places God where he should be. At the top of it all. Yet times have changed from when this was written. We get a sense of it, don't we? It's not a worship that is limited in time or place. We read of the Samaritan woman talking of how they have to worship at a different, or they worship at a different mountain from Jerusalem. This is the cause of much of the disagreement between the Samaritans and the Jews. 
But soon this will no longer matter. Jesus says, doesn't he? We worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. We can worship wherever we are, whenever we want, however we are. Because Jesus acts as that intermediary to, from our, between us and God. And yet this very fact that we have an ability to worship Jesus wherever we are gives us a challenge, doesn't it? It makes us have to think about where worship is in our life. What priority does it have? It seems to me sometimes to be easier that if we could just contain worship nicely to a Sunday between about 10 and quarter past 11, life would be very much easier, wouldn't it, and more straightforward. Yet that is not what we are called to do. We're called to a whole life worship, a worship that takes over our lives in some ways, and a worship that glorifies God. I did look up the definition of worship from the dictionary rather than any sort of theological book, but it's to show reverence and adoration. How could we not adore God? How could we not? When we know what he has done for us. The love he has for us. If the Holy Spirit truly has transformed our lives, changed us, and we've been made new through Jesus, will we not want to worship God all the time? If our faith is true, if our lives have been changed, it seems inconceivable that we wouldn't want to. Paul keeps talking about knocking down the walls of the church, doesn't he? To get outside of the church and be a light to the town. I think that's his message. He's not here, so he can't complain. My synopsis. But surely as a start, that has to require us to recognise that worship isn't just contained to the church. Well, it's not just contained to this room, or maybe if we're feeling adventurous, the hall over there. We have to have a willingness to worship wherever we are. We have to have a willingness for our whole way of life to be affected and changed, for our whole lives to be pointed towards God. Now, that is a challenge, isn't it? So easy to turn the other way or prefer to do something else rather than point towards God. And yes, it does mean that our actions in the wider world matter. How we respond, what we say, how we talk to people matters. We're called for our lives to be transformed. And that has to come out in our action, doesn't it? To not do so is missing the point.
God calls us to worship him in spirit and in truth. To focus on him. As I was writing this, we, I had uh, music on in the background and a song came up written by Matt Redman, which is When the Music Fades. I can't remember the title off the top of my head, but yeah, it is Music that Fades and all is stripped away. And he writes, and it's all about you, Jesus, doesn't he? And that actually came out of the time in the life of Soul Survivor, the church. But they've got a bit carried away, I think it'd be fair to say, with the lights and the probably smoke and, you know, that sort of thing. So they stopped. They stopped worship and just sat, I wouldn't say quite in silence, but they took the music bit out of worship and focused on God. They recognized that they'd got distracted by everything that was going on and had lost Jesus somewhere in the middle of it all. Jesus is to be at the center of it all. So I had some questions for you as we finish. What does worship look like for you? Because it varies between us, doesn't it? Are you willing to put aside differences in opinion and worship together? I think we're probably better at that than at any point in history in some ways now. What does worship look like in the whole of life? Think about it. What would it mean if you worshipped God with the whole life? Or are you tempted to contain God and your worship to a Sunday? To think that's too much like hard work. But we know it isn't, don't we? There's a joy to be found in worshipping God. And is Jesus at the centre of all that you worship? Of your worship? Is he the beginning, the middle, and indeed the end point? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have made a way for us to enter your presence. Father, we thank you for the gift of your son Jesus, who washes away our sin and makes us clean and pure. And transforms our lives. We thank you Lord for the sending of your Holy Spirit who comes and fills us and changes our lives. And Father we pray that when we come to worship that you would be at the centre. That Father, Son and Holy Spirit would be the point at which we aim. Father, we pray that our whole lives would point towards worshipping you, to loving you, to adoring you. Father, help us to focus on you, we pray. 
We ask this in your wonderful son, Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Richard. What I've just picked up from that, quite clearly for me, is that it's not about style. And it's not about circumstance. We don't need a building to worship God. We just need a life. Worship God in a garden. We can worship God in our workplaces. Somebody once described me as a Pentecostal, high Baptist, Orthodox. It's probably because of my own pilgrimage, having been converted and come to faith in Christ, being filled with the Spirit in a Pentecostal church, only to rebel in my late teens and become a semi-high Anglican and choir master and organist in a church that did the bells and the smells. And then to find myself theologically being called to minister in a Baptist church and do youth work and then become a choir master again, I guess, in a Baptist church uh, and find myself theologically at home. But, you know, I, I've, I've been in churches, been in Catholic churches where it's been absolute silence and people have been quietly filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've been in charismatic churches that for all the noise has been dead because ultimately it is about our hearts and where we're at. And I can't prescribe what's going to happen in the next few minutes. All I want to do is help us all, help myself, help you, is to enter that place where we just worship. You know? It's not about the song. It's about us and our determination to worship. I will worship. And that means that no matter what we're facing at the moment, I'm going to worship the Lord. And if that means being on my knees, it means being on my feet, my hands in the air, in the air if, it, if it means just sitting quietly, None of that matters. It, it's not the form. It's our heart. Are we engaging with God at this moment? And it doesn't matter what your neighbor is doing. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. It doesn't matter actually what the song is, whether you like it or whether you don't. That's irrelevant. Are you encountering God now? Are you worshiping him? Midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, there was a, such a violent earthquake, the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. We want to thank you that we're reminded in that small story from Acts chapter 16 that Lord it was as Paul and Silas were praying and singing singing to God that suddenly there was a violent earthquake and people's chains became loose 
and the prison doors flew open. Lord God, we pray now as we worship you that, Lord, the prison doors of our lives will fly open this morning. Lord, that the chains will fall off from our lives. Lord, as we worship you, Lord, that you will just do a transforming work in each of our lives. Lord, that having worshipped you this morning, we will be different this coming week. We will take that sense of your presence, that power of worship into every situation we find ourselves this coming week. We choose to worship you. We choose to worship you. this place, this time, this day, to worship you. We lift and honor, we glorify you in this place. We love you, we love you. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. As we offer our bodies as living sacrifices holy and pleasing to God Lord may 
each of the things that we do this week. Lord, we think about our jobs, those of us that are working, thinking about the volunteer activities that some of us will be involved in this week. Lord, as we think about the conversations that we will have with family members, with neighbours, those we meet when we walk in the dog, those we bump into in Tesco's or Morrison's. Lord, we lift all these encounters to you. We pray that in each situation we will be a true living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. The things that we say, the way we behave, will just ooze with worship. Lord, you'll give us the courage, Lord, maybe even to sort of gently lay hands after asking permission on somebody who is suffering and pray for them. I'm just reminded of when Michael Green was the vicar in Oxford and used to just pray for people in the middle of the supermarket and people would come to faith between the, 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 the pastor and the Bolognese. Uh, Lord, Lord, help us to be like that, just to follow his example, and just having that courage to be a, sensitive to what you're doing this coming week. Our life of worship may spill out in evangelism and mission. Lord, help us. We're not going to prolong this time any longer. I just want to remind you that over the last few months there's been a revival in America, which may, some of you may have read about in Asbury, University of Asbury in, 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 in the States. And, you know, this has been a, quite a phenomenon uh, of revival. Um, it's died down a lot now, but, you know, it was all about worship. There was no sort of, not that much preaching, but it's just students coming together to worship and to pray. And the Holy Spirit came down and suddenly it became a place for healing and for just people finding Christ through an encounter with God. People came from all over the world just to be there. And that's died down a lot now, but you know, a lot of commentators now are saying people who are into mission and understanding what church growth is happening and what church growth is around the world are saying that this phenomena is now breaking out in different parts of the world. And that as people worship, God comes in power and a new mission initiative is started. Anyway, we're going to sing a joyful song to finish with. Um, the Lord has led forth his people with joy and his chosen ones with singing. Let's have some fun, shall we? Let's um, just uh, finish our time together with um, uh, just a jolly song. Um,
love those words from the previous song. You know, we wait with arms lifted high, don't we? Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fall on us. Fall on this place. Come, we pray, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Fill us with new life. Fill us to overflowing. Fill us beyond our own comprehension. Yes, Lord. Father, we wait for you. We know that it is through you all things are possible. And that you seek us out. You come, Lord, to find the lost and the broken. And make us whole again. We come and worship you. We come to adore you. Through your wonderful son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And it seems right to finish with words from the end of Jude that speak of the glory of God. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to mindhead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.